0: I'm going to bring on my guest today, episode 67, live from my drum room. Please welcome my very good friend, longtime friend, the great Anton Fig. Got to time that a little better. So it's, and there he is.
1: No, I'm still getting there. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Anton. I'm glad. to you? i'm fine thank you thanks for inviting me into your lair
0: yeah it's a pleasure yeah it's good to yeah. see you in your drum room in montauk
1: uh, yep and you're in yours in boston right yeah yeah, yeah. Just, just i'm looking some... i see uh i see that star drum kid i just i see that... yeah. i see some gongs with a bullseye that's like very british looking yeah and i see i don't know is that charlie behind you
0: that's a couple of Charlie pictures behind me. Yeah. and uh,
1: Fantastic. A and a nice set. old premier kit. I used to have a premier kit when I was 10, but I don't have it anymore. Yeah. Well, Beautiful. The star,
0: the star set, I'll just quickly tell you the, the backstory. I just got that. And mm-hmm. that's a replica of my very first drum set my dad bought me in the oh, no, catalog. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I got that and uh, very excited. It's, and it sounds special better than I remember them sounding so I'm, uh-huh.
1: I'm excited about that uh-huh uh-huh so, cool stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah so thanks for being here I was just saying uh as I as I brought you on as I introduced you that you were part of the uh episode I one of the episodes to remember Charlie and uh I want to thank you again for being part of that with Jim Keltner and Vinny and Pete Thomas and Charlie Drayton and Aaron Comis and um yeah
1: I was I, I was honored to be part of such a great group and and honoring such a great drama and person, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I know he thought the world of you. You know, he. Oh, and, thanks. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I, I, you know, you sort of going a little bit out of sequence, but you told a great story um, during that show. That in case people didn't see that, uh, and and the story you told a few stories, but one of the stories you told had to do with Charlie being on the Letterman show with his with his band back sometime maybe in the nineties, and him showing up with the band and then maybe you could just quickly tell that story just to sort of.
1: Yeah. You know, in those, I think we were still at, uh, well, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but um, the band, the Letterman band used to, for better or for worse, used to play with a lot of the people that came on the show. Yeah. Later on, they kind of changed it when we were at CBS, they changed it. But at the early days, the, the band backed up everyone and almost everyone. And Charlie came on, with his band, and they told him that he had to play with the Letterman Band. And he said, what? And he said, yeah, you're playing with the Letterman Band. And he just made an about face and walked out of the show, (laughs) which was just amazing. I mean, you know, you can't blame the guy. No, no. And uh, so he was completely within his rights. Um, And he did come back later with his band and played with his band. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was great. It was great. I was all for it, to be honest.
0: I, I'm sure you were, Anton. And I and I, I loved it when you told the story because it, it, knowing Charlie, he probably did it like in the most polite way
1: possible. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I let me tell you the flip side of that story. Uh yeah, if Charlie was always polite, but the flip side of that was James Brown was going to be on the show one time. And he, with his band and his band was down at SIR rehearsing on 25th street. And the show was uptown. Mm. And so he, so he got the Letterman band to play, you know, for the rehearsal. And I remember him sitting, he came and sat at the drums and he's, and, cause I wasn't sure what to play exactly for this particular song. And he sort of went and he played this kind of like flat tire shuffle. So I got an idea, but it was all like, you know, kind of strange to me. But anyway, I I figured out what he meant and we played and we rehearsed with them. And then suddenly towards the end of the rehearsal, his band had been caught in traffic and they arrived. And so they came walking towards the stage to to finish the rehearsal with them. Mm. And he just like put out his arm and he stopped them and he said, I'll play with these guys. And so I got to play with, I played with him a few times on the show, but that that was one of the times. So, you know, I was a recipient of some good fortune there. But, you know, like we we backed up lots of people and, uh, you know, I think it was just lucky circumstance because, you know, people are putting themselves on the line and, you know, then you've got to deal with a new band. And so you had to make them feel as comfortable as possible, like right off the downbeat. And, you know, you could, you would see these people visibly relax once you started playing. And they knew like they were in good hands. There wasn't time to rehearse the band and get yeah. things right and all that. So it was an incredible responsibility on our part. But as a result of it, I got to play with uh, just an incredible amount of people that i normally wouldn't have gotten to play with. And even if I got to play with them once, it still counts as kind of having played, playing with those people on national television. So, absolutely. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I know, no, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I watched the show maybe not every night, but all the time and, and every night, well, pretty much every night, you there was somebody there that you, the band was, was playing with, was backing up and
1: yeah. And, uh, and, and so was, yeah, you know, it brings me to another story <clears throat> yeah, about yeah. the Letterman show. And this is like, so we Paul said, you know, we're going to play with Miles Davis tomorrow. Now we don't know, we don't know what's gonna happen. So just show up and you'll see. We'll see. So I get there and there's a drum machine center stage on like a velvet like covering like this beautiful throne of a drum machine, a big drum machine. And I'm going, oh, God. So anyway, so they go, okay, well, you're going to try and play drums with it. So I play, of course, it's not in the monitors or anything. It's impossible to stay in with it. Oh. They go, uh, why did not you try sticks? Uh, sorry, why did not you try brushes? Oh, no, then they took the drum, uh, drum machine away. They say, why don't you try brushes? uh so i try brushes the drum machine's gone and i think oh god there's one more step and i'm out of there you know what i mean i can't go any further anyway they say okay no brushes are going to be fine get rid of the drum machine so then because of my james brown story i don't ask everybody what i should play but in this case with miles it was like a, a slow three four thing and then he would drop his hand and we'd go into like a funk thing. And then some way through, he'd drop his hand again and we'd go back into the three-four thing. And it was, a, it was a Christmas carol that uh, the Bill Murray movie, um, Scrooge, they played street musicians. So they were playing the song. They were doing the song. So I happened to, again, ask Miles, what, do, what, do you, what should I play on this? <laughs> These are the only two guys I asked, by the way. Normally <laughs> yeah. I knew what to do. Although it doesn't sound that way, but normally I knew what to do. Anyway, so Miles comes up to me and he goes, roo, 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 roo. Okay, and, but somehow I knew exactly what he meant. So we rehearsed the song a couple times and, uh, well, maybe once, I don't know. And then, you know, you do the show and then all of a sudden you've got to come back and play the song. I don't know, you don't know it all that well. and. We start. And I remember there was like a downbeat at the beginning and I felt, oh, it didn't quite. And he did a bap. I thought, oh, I'm not sure if I just split the atom exactly right, you know? Yeah. And I thought he like looked at me and and then we started playing, 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 and and I I suddenly noticed like he was so far behind on the beat, you know, intentionally, way back. Like mm. like some of the rap like the rappers are like well, Why are you when you play with the rappers on the show, you can't listen to the vocal because they're so far back on the time, so I'm like keeping a keep it for, keep it where it's supposed to be, keep it where it's supposed to be and uh and then we are going to the funk thing, and then it's just like a soft funk and then back out, and um, I said to myself, like you know this is not a time to be." Nervous, you know, this is like you worked your whole life to kind of play like you're playing with Miles Davis on TV. And and I felt like I was in the eye of a hurricane where like the center is very calm and the stuff is like swirling around you. Yeah. And it yeah. felt like really like centered. And um and uh then we got through the song and and it was great. So afterwards I said to Marcus, Marcus Miller was playing. Was Marcus Sanborn and Will Hiram and Paul and myself. Yes, what a band. I said, like, I okay, I gotta uh I'd love to kind of meet him properly, you know. So I went to meet him and um he asked me where I was from. I told him South Africa. He said, Oh, it's good you got out of there. And we were and we were talking, I showed him a picture of my kid was six months old, or you know, my yeah. first kid. And uh showed him the picture, and, uh, and then he said to me, um, you got a good feel for them drums. And I went, oh, wow. I said, oh. I better get out there before he clarifies that statement. By, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, if there's yeah. like a second, yeah, if there's a second part it, I said, thanks, you know, <laughs> I got all I need now I'm going. <laughs> and so um, that's been like a building block for me. Like, you know, for my whole life since then, because it's like, you know, Miles gave me the confidence, like, if he said my feels good, you know, what more do I need? And, you know, and and that was like a really big, big, big moment for me.
0: That's, can I, can great. I, am going to just, I'm going to tag onto that and say that must have been in the 80s, I'm guessing, because your, your yeah. older son is about my son's age, who's maybe yeah.
1: 34 yeah. this year. Yeah. Right. And, Probably
0: and late 80s. Yeah, yeah. Late 80s. So, fast forward a few years later i'm on the phone with tony williams and he's asking me what symbols you use and then he said hey can you give me anton's number i want i did you know i almost and i know you have a great story to tell but i knew he wasn't pulling my leg but but he was like he he was asking about he said he watches the show all the time he loves the way you play and he loves the sound of your symbols and like you know, you think can can I call? I don't think he even said. Do you think Anton would mind? I think he just said, like, can I have his number so I can call him? And then he called you.
1: Yeah, That's yeah. So I was I was out in my uh, out of town, close to where I am now, and um, and he calls me, and I go like, he says, I've got all your symbols from the Letterman show, and they, <laughs> and I want you to tell me exactly how you set them up, <laughs> and I go, man, but this is insane. This is ridiculous. How, what are you asking me for? You know, this is crazy. I mean, Tony is like the one person. And the only reason I don't sound like Tony Williams is because I can't do anything that he does. But I just love everything about him that he plays. You know, he, he developed his own language on the drums. You know, he sounds so much like himself. He's got incredible technique. He took drumming, you know, into the stratosphere. And, I mean, I just love everything Tony. And um, so he uh, I t- explained the symbols, what I did, but it just felt like completely surreal, completely surreal. Um, and I was lucky enough that I actually got to play double drums with them three times in my life. The first time was George Russell was uh, my teacher at the New England Conservatory in, in Boston. Yeah, and yeah. he had a big band and I played in the big band and he was going to New York to perform it at Carnegie hall. And he said, Tony's playing drums, but he can't make the rehearsal. Can you come down and play the rehearsal? I was like, a, I was a college kid. Yeah. So I go down and I'm in the room rehearsing with all these like New York guys. It's like, you know, frightening. And, and then George says after the rehearsal, okay, Tony's coming to play the show, but we'll put you in the band so you can play in the band as well. And so I'm in the band at Tony sent stage and they'll be playing the music, playing the music, and then it sort of gets into the section. And all of a sudden he plays this break and he turns around to me to trade with me. <laughs> uh, let's, yeah, let's trade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. So all I can tell you is that if you see the bathwater going down the drain, that's what I felt like. I felt like I was in this centrifugal force, just like getting washed down the bathtub, you know? Yeah. It was crazy, crazy. And then he came on the show and we played. We played together. And then the third time he came on the show, they put the two drums together and we played like the whole show together. I
0: think I saw
1: uh, un- yeah. Unfortunately, the cameraman didn't understand the concept of fours. So while he's playing fours, they're showing me just like sitting there, like, you know, watching him (laughs) when I'm playing, they're showing him. Anyway, (laughs) so, you know, um, I still have sticks from that day. And so after that, he said to me, you know, he kind of enjoyed himself. He said, well, you know, if if you don't do the show, you know, Maybe I'll, I can sub, you know, on the show, because I think he just liked the experience. And so, a month or two later, I was going. I had to go to South Africa, and so I called Paul. and I said, "Tony he said he'll do it," you know. So they called him, and he said he would do it. And it was all booked. And then, right around that time, he went into hospital for his gallbladder and passed away. God, twenty. So it never happened.
0: Next month. How many years? 25 years at a little wow bit in
1: February. So, you know, it's it's um, my oh, yeah, my young son <laughs> goes to uh, USC and he's in the music program. So, I studying with that. with Will he's, Kennedy we, and Patrice oh, okay. Russian and all those people, and 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 Alfonso Johnson on bass, and you know, oh, so man. anyway, um. And we listen to Tony, you know, it's so great because like, uh, you know, like there's a whole other generation now listening to Tony and we're finding like different songs that he did and records and stuff we didn't know about so much. And, you know, and it still sounds as fresh and as exciting as as ever.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I know. It's, Yeah, I was going to, going to ask you when the second time, the first time he came on the show. So it was like the second time you, you, met him or played with him did you remember the time at carnegie hall like all those years before when you were at any i
1: don't think so i don't know i don't think we spoke about it nor i'm thinking when i was on the phone to him i don't think i said to him you know we played together yeah at carnegie just, you know it was so crazy because it was one of my first gigs i was still living in boston it might have been my first gig in new york i mean think of that yeah. first gig in new york Playing Carnegie Hall with Tony Williams. I mean, could, you can only go down from there. <laughs> I was uh, say that. <laughs> and not only that, as I was about to go on stage, they had like heavy union guys then. The union guy came up to me and said, Do you have let me see your card? Oh man. And I didn't have one. And and he was gonna stop me. And then suddenly someone called his attention and he turned around to talk to the guy. And I just ran on stage. And got on stage, so like, that's crazy.
0: The crisp handshake, you know.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. um,
0: I was gonna. Uh, That's a great segue, though, Anton, because I wanted to talk about NEC, and I. I, It's perfect that you you mentioned that. That you know that it was that time. And I was just going to add to that. I'm guessing where you were still in college at the time. You you had what a lot of us. Had when we were young, and that almost sort of fearless, like maybe now, if if that happened, you'd be like, oh, I mean, you would do it, but you'd probably be more nervous now than when you're 20 years old because you just kind of go, all right, I'm going to just go do this, you know. But it was Tony, so I'd imagine there's never a time you wouldn't be nervous. No, no,
1: you got to accept the you got to accept the challenge at all times, but you know, and uh, you know then everything was also fair game and you're working your way up. So, you, you know, yeah. so, yeah. you know, try everything and do my, I, I did everything I played any gig all the time just to kind of keep going, you know, keep yeah. working.
0: I remember you, you telling me that when you were at NEC and, and talk. So, so you were born in Cape town in South Africa and started playing.
1: Yeah. Like- I played really young, I mean, I'm yeah. probably four, something like that. And then when I was when I was six, my grandfather bought me a snare and bass drum because I was so into playing. Yeah. And every year he added the Tom. And that, that became that was the by 10, I had the full set. That was a premiere kit. Wow. And um and then eventually I got when I was and I played in lots of local bands. We won the Battle of the Bands and all the stuff. We were like a big local band, different bands. And then when I was 16, I got a Mod Orange Ludwig kit, which was sent. My dad got it ordered from Chicago, came on the boat, took like what just seemed like decades, but it was probably only a few months, came over to Cape Town, and it was this beautiful Mod Orange kit, which I then eventually brought back to America and still have it. So it's it's a real, like, 60s Mod Orange kit.
0: Worth a lot of uh, money, too, those models. It machines. might be, yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah. I used it on a side note. I used it on a session with Oz. <laughs> I was doing a recording with Oz and I, and And um, the engineer says, this is the worst shit I've ever heard. He said, the <laughs> drums, they're all out of round. And there's like oh, harmonics going all over the place. <laughs> but I still love it. Yeah. I love it. It's just like such a cool looking kid, and you know, I mean, I it's a rock, it's a rock kid. So it's meant to be hammered, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, I was going to just say, you know, I, I love vintage drums. It's all I own, but, but a lot, you know, and and people freak out about those old Ludwig and old Gretsch drums, but they were kind of hit or miss. To your point, because right. a lot of my 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 stuff, um, I bring to a guy locally who shows me how out of how how the edges are all messed up on drums, right. Yeah and and uh, yeah but anyway
1: it's they've got a vibe so yeah absolutely absolutely so so
0: so you came over to go to NEC you you moved to to Boston to attend New England Conservatory yeah and uh, and and you studied with my father in law Vic Firth right and also uh, for for timpani and classical
1: right you know so here was the weirdest thing was I I sent in a tape to get in from South Africa. And in those days, all you knew about was Berkeley and New England Conservatory. But I had a friend who was at New England, uh, and he suggested I go there. And it was a more, it was a different kind of school, you know. And so I applied for the jazz department, and I sent in a tape. And I didn't think I had a chance in hell, and I get a letter back, You've been accepted to the classical department. And I'm going, well, classical? Okay, well, I'm in. So I went, and that's why I studied with Vic. But while I was there, I also did the jazz stuff. So I got to not only play in the orchestras and all that, but I also played in the big bands and studied with Jackie Biden, George Russell, and uh, had a couple, like for a year, old, Mel Lewis was there. And uh so you know, I got to do everything. And at the end, they said, well, you can have whichever degree you want. And I th- said, well, I'll, I'll take the classical. You know, because I, I, I thought if I go to New York and say I've got a jazz degree, then they'll <laughs> beat me up or something. <laughs> 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 classical is serious. Crit, oh, actually. I know. Yeah, I know. You know, and the, the great thing about Vic was that he made you feel like if you didn't do the work, you were wasting his time. He was such a busy guy. Mm -hmm. running from the orchestra, you know, teaching and he had outside interests and, you know, collecting stuff, whatever. (laughs) And he just made you feel he was like no frills or business kind of and made you feel like if you didn't do the work, you were wasting his time. So, you know, you put in the work for him. And, uh, you know, so I got between him and all the orchestra stuff, all the big band stuff all the small jazz stuff. And then plus I was playing out at nights, different bands all the time. And so I had a, for four years, I had an incredible education.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, in yeah. that, and that, that, I mean, obviously made you the versatile drummer that you are today and, and became right. I mean, you, had, yeah. You well, I grew
1: your, Yeah. You know, it turned out, you know, for the Letterman show, you needed, um, you know, to have a wide variety of music. and But growing up in South Africa, you know, I started off listening to, like, early rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, the Beatles and all that came in and the English invasion. And I had all that. And I, and then we also listened to a lot of James Brown and Ray Charles, uh, you know, Lloyd Price. And, like, all I listened to, like, all kinds of stuff. So by the time I saw Paul, I realized, and i don't know how but i just knew all these songs a yeah. ton of them um and you know i think that really helped me because i felt like i could play semi authentically in a lot of different styles yeah you know and yeah. i didn't have to just go one way right right
0: you know and was there i i want i'm, I'm going to get to the letterman time too but i was going to ask you when so you you graduated from nec moved to New York, and got busy pretty quickly, right? I mean, you, you kind of jumped in. Yeah, fast,
1: well, like. I remember the guys, musicians in Boston said, you go to New York, it's going to take you about a year to get work. And uh, it took about a year to the day. And then I started off doing weddings and permits and all, you know, and, and I was still, when I went to Boston, I got completely into jazz. I would, had been a rock drummer my whole life. And I got completely into jazz for five years. It's all I listened to. It's all I played. I was deeply into it. And I got to, when I was, often I was in New York for about a year or so, I noticed like people were saying, you got to get back to your roots. Mm-hmm. And people were like discovering Africa and all that, uh, you know, going back to, it was always like wearing Tshikis and getting back to your roots, you know? And I thought, wait a second, my roots are in rock. So I started to play with rock bands in in New York. And then I really started to work like immediately and got all kinds of gigs, like right away. And at the same time, I formed a band with some friends of mine from South Africa. We'd had a band in Cape Town. And so we were auditioning bass players. And this guy came to audition who actually didn't get the gig but he said i've got this friend ace fraley and he's looking for a drummer for his solo record and you know because i'd been out of the rock world i wasn't really even much aware of Kiss at all yeah yeah but to me they were a band on the side of a bus you know i'd see the big post on the side of a bus and so i went up and played with him and i did a couple of rounds of demos and then he asked me to do his record and his record came out really, really good. Mm. Um, a lot of stuff, you know, I found happened, you know, you do one thing and it leads to another. Like I I auditioned for some other band because their, their drummer was going off to play with Dylan, And through that, their producer uh, got me to Link Ray. And then the producer got me to Joan Armatrading and I did those records. And ended up playing with Link for a long time, and I did the Me Myself I record, which is one of John's biggest records. Yeah. Um, so one thing led to another, and then I started to work in New York a lot. Um, you know, Cindy Lauper. I played yeah. a few cuts on a, ja- a Dylan record. I played on Jagger solo record a few cuts, and I started to kind of really get around.
0: Yeah, and and yeah. jumping back to Ace. And so it was. It was working with on Ace's solo record that, for whatever the reasons were, that at the time, the producer, or whoever, felt that Peter couldn't, Peter Chris couldn't, fulfill his obligation to do the record that they brought you right. in to do.
1: I think producer. like he, had, I don't know. I think I don't know the exact story, but I think he broke his arm or something and he couldn't play, and they had to, yeah. they had to do it. And they got me into play. And. um... And then, you know, after I did Dynasty and after Dynasty, I did Unmasked. And I think that's because they must have broken his other arm. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) But uh, anyway, I I got to do those two records. But the one thing that was nice about it was they didn't really, you know, I, I, I didn't know them as well. I knew Ace really well. I was good friends with Ace, you know, having, you know, we've got to be really good friends from the solo record. And uh, they never really, no one really told me what to play. They just let me interpret the music however I wanted to. So it wasn't like you got to play this way, this is how it sounds and all that. They just let me just kind of play. Yeah. And it's funny, That's recently great. I went back, I haven't listened to those records since those days. Um, but, you know, my, my son has got me into listening to a few cuts here and there again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's cool. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah. And at the time, you weren't credited, right? That was, like, in those days, that was... At the time,
1: yeah. you know, yeah. Those were the days when when people could keep a secret. Apparently, in these days, that's impossible. But there, it was just like a... <clears throat> you know, we, we're going to play on the record. We're going to pay you really well. But you can't tell anybody. Shake hands. That was it. And I didn't. I never told anybody until... I think a book came out, a kiss book came out, by Gene, I think, and and it said that I played on Unmasked, and then they released a, um, a remastered version of Dynasty, and it credits me on drums. So then after that, it was I said, fine, they put it out there first, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's pretty much common knowledge, but it was it was always a very quiet thing.
0: Yeah, that's you honored your your commitment. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Cindy Lauper, and 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 that's you on "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." That's that's real drums.
1: Yeah, I mean they yeah. had me, they had me in the uh, studio just snare and bass drum, just pounding away like a drum machine. Yeah, there's one song on the record that has real drums. Uh, on time after time, I think I'm just playing like room clicks or something. The rest is a drum machine. Well, on pretty much all the other songs, I'm pretty sure that uh, you know they had me sit there. I sat there for days, just playing like a drum machine.
0: Yeah, I, you know, and I didn't know that at, at the until I met you. I think we talked about it one time, and um, I just assumed because it was at a time when when almost everything in the world of pop was coming that was coming out was drum machines. You know, 1983. Right. And uh, but it, there's such a, a a human feel to like girls want to have fun, just want to have fun. You know, it's, yeah. Um, So it's it's nice to know it's it's you and, you know, a machine, so to speak. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, look, as far as I know, I sat there and played just like the yeah. machine. I played those parts, you know. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what they use. I've always yeah. been under the impression that's me.
0: That's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And and so that and that kind of that was like, and you continued to work doing tons of sessions, and then the drum chair on the Letterman show. Steve Jordan leaves the band, it becomes available. And did you audition for that? Or Yeah, that-
1: what, what happened there was, you know, Steve would take off quite a bit. And um, and often Charlie Drayton played. Yeah. And, and they were both out of town. You know, it could have been around the time they were playing with Neil Young. I'm not sure. And so I would see Paul around town and I would always say, let me... Let me sub on the Letterman show, and he'd say, "Oh, you'll get your chance." And but it never happened. And then I actually did Paul Butterfield's last record with Paul Schafer <clears throat> and like I still didn't get called. And I'd done Joan O'Matreading's record with Paul, and nothing happened. Anyway, one night I was playing with Robert Gordon and Chris Spending, and they came down. Um, and I knew they were checking me out, and so. Uh, they, Paul asked me to he said Steve's going to be away for a week can you do a week on the show I said sure so come down and rehearse I did the rehearsal he said actually he's going to be away for two weeks can you do two weeks he said absolutely so I did the two weeks Steve came back then one day Steve just showed up really late and they called me and I ran right on stage and played the show until Steve came and then he took over. And then a week or two later, um, a week or two later, Paul calls me up and said, Steve is leaving the show and the, the show's yours if you want it. And so I, I said, Well, I have to think about it. I know I didn't. <laughs> 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 I know, and I I said, yes, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, 30 years, amazing.
1: Yeah, so that show, yeah, it was 29 years, I think. 29 years, yeah. 29 years, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And Uh, you you played
0: the shit out of it, Anton. uh, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, having all that background of all this different kinds of music and being able to play, and basically my philosophy was if you get a good groove going, And you play some of the nuances of the style. You can kind of, you know, get the feeling across. Yeah, yeah. You know, we would have a, you know, we would often have, uh, you know, if we played with an artist, we'd get the record right before, we'd make a chart, and, you know, you had to walk in knowing the music. Right. You'd have to make it sound right the very first time. Some artists would only do it once, twice. Some would do it four times. And then you do the show, and then all of a sudden, out know nowhere, you gotta do the song again. Um, so it was a whole, you know, different set of muscles. Yeah, you know, it wasn't yeah. the kind of gig where you could just close your eyes and relax. You had to be on your toes all the time.
0: Yeah, I would think so. And and so when you on, on, on would you get the would you get the um the information like the you're gonna play today with um Tony Bennett. Would you get yeah. the tune that day or would you get it the day before?
1: Like the day before. Day before, yeah. Yeah, sometimes a couple of days before. I mean, there are always exceptions to the rule. Sometimes there'd be music there, sometimes there wouldn't. Sometimes you'd make, if it was complicated, you made your own chart. Like <clears throat> when we played uh, Higher Love with Stevie Winwood, that's a very complicated drum chart because it's it's all drum machine. Yeah. And it's like, there's like four separate things going all at the same yeah, time. Yeah. You had to kind of make it into one part that worked and catch all the important stuff. Yeah. So that, you know, I had to sit down and write that out kind of slowly. And But I found that if you write out a chart yourself, by the time you get, by the time I got through the chart, I could pretty much play it, you know, just working my way through the song.
0: Yeah. And that was, and that was, I was going to ask you, that's, was kind of a regular practice for you was to like write out a chart, and I mean, I'm sure if some of these songs you knew kind of just if it was a James Brown tune or something, you kind of knew the form of the song but But my point being that being able to read was really key to just being able to have it in front of you and know the form of the song, and
1: yeah, and it's one of- thing knowing the song, and it's another thing, like really knowing the song. And so sometimes when you get deeper into it, you think you know it, but there's all these other kinds of subtleties going on in the song that you haven't heard. Yeah. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you had to get pretty deep into it, you know, and you had to also know, like there were certain things that you could maybe ignore and certain things you had to play. Mm -hmm. And even in the break songs, you know, like, uh, like, like, say you were playing born to be wild or something and you know, the break in the middle. Yeah. you know, so like that is the kind of thing that you would play for sure. Because that's like a signature part of the, of the drum fill,
0: yeah. but you wouldn't
1: necessarily play everything else perfectly. Yeah. Or certainly I wouldn't, you know, you just get the essence of the feel of the groove and you play your own way, but certainly, but when we backed up an artist, we had to be more specific. Right right yeah Yeah. like you
0: say a song like higher love that has all those those parts are such a part of the song that right it it would you're right it would be missing if you didn't have some of those little right
1: you couldn't just play it straight i mean there was like the tamale thing happening yeah and there was all kinds of like chattering stuff going on and the patterns were changing a couple of odd bars you know there was a lot to keep track of
0: yeah it must have been great playing with will lee
1: every night too I fantastic you know I, play, I played with him 29 years four days a week um incredible i mean he's he's such a solid bass player and he's such a musical player um yeah. and knowledgeable and so it was really great and dependable you know i knew like if we were together we would you know it was in the right place
0: yeah i, I was when you were talking about playing with um with James Brown and, and, and just, or, or some of these guys, I was thinking that having like a, you know, I, and I'm sure Will felt the same way about you, like having kind of a, a you know, a rhythm partner like Will gave you that sort of um, solid foundation, knowing, sure. that, you know what I mean? That, yeah, with you guys locked in, it's going to be, it's, yeah. it's going to be
1: good. Yeah. I mean, a lot of time, a lot of time, like the drums can be really simple. And the other instruments can be doing all the funky stuff. You know what I mean? It doesn't all have to come from the drums, but it's all got to slot in in the the right kind of cog way, you know, for it to work. But he, you know, so sometimes I could just play really straight ahead and he could do all that stuff around it.
0: Yeah. Got a couple of questions, Anton, have come through um, from some guys watching um anthony cassina is asking could you talk about the room you're in now it looks like you're in seclusion um you kind of are but it's it's your studio maybe we we were talking about it offline maybe you could talk a little bit about the room you're in the studio
1: yeah well it's it's uh it's got cement walls as you can see behind me um and then the ceiling is i can't move the camera unfortunately the ceiling is uh got padding and beams and the floor's got carpets. So mm-hmm. that it's a mixture of, um, dead space and live space. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's quite a big, it's quite a big room in that I can get, you know, room mics a fair amount away. I mean, it's a home studio, so it's not, um, uh, you know it's I don't have like a perfectly tuned room, I don't have the most expensive mics, I don't have like the best gear, but I've got like a bunch of stuff, yeah, that I can make it sound really really nice um and it's uh you know it's below ground, so you can't hear it outside. that's great, but if you're in the house, it's deafening. <laughs> 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 that's that's your that's so, it's, it's a, yeah it's and I have a family so you know what I mean I can't, you know I have to pick my spots.
0: Is everybody so everybody watching? Anton is at his place in Montauk. Uh, no
1: no 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 no, no <laughs> so okay. don't, don't say where it is. Okay,
0: don't say where it is. But
1: anyway, yeah. yeah. But are they yeah.
0: all there now? So you if you if you
1: yeah. If I so started there, to play now, they would they they'd, uh, they'd be get really the
0: banging on the on the CL. yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, no, yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, there was another. Oh, my, my, my good friend Neil Porter, who's the singer in my band, Grand Theft yeah. Audio, is watching, and he's asking who some of your favorite artists were to play with on the show. That's a great question, Neil.
1: Well, you know, obviously James Brown, Miles probably takes a cake. Yeah. you know, we played with Springsteen on the last show. Um, that was really exciting. Uh, we played with uh, Tony Bennett. You know, uh, there was so many. Played with Eddie Vedder. That was great towards the end. Um, I didn't play with them, but I loved hearing them. Was the Foo Fighters?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, and you know, there's so many. I, I it's it's you know, there's no. I don't ever do the favorite thing that much because it's just it's overwhelming. Quite honestly, I wish I could remember all the people that I've played with because we I've done, I did six about 6,000 shows. And it's like, I, you just can't remember. They sort of blend into maybe 10 yeah. shows or something. It's But it's, I, I feel lucky. I, I did get to play with an awfully great crop of people.
0: Yeah. I, and yeah. I was going to say this too, no exaggeration. It would probably be easier for you to name the people you didn't play with than the people you did play with. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, in, yeah. in terms of a total number and not maybe yeah. your favorites, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like everybody was on that show. At, you know, there. Was, yeah,
1: under. that's true. I mean, there was another show that I did, which was uh, the Bob Dylan 50th anniversary. And that was in Madison Square Garden. And I was part of the band. I, I used to play at Booker T and the MGs. And so yes. we were, I, I was in the band along with Jim Keltner. And we backed up everybody on the show, just about everybody. But there was, uh, uh, and, and all the artists did still in numbers. And we did one with um, Eric Clapton, Don't, Don't Think Twice. And, you know, he, we played, and he played a solo, a couple solos, and then he sang a few more verses, and then a couple more solos. And then, like, on the last solo, it was like he turned on the afterburner or something, and, like, it we went into hyperspace. It was just like, oh, that's why it's Eric Clapton. You know, it was yeah, just yeah. like... It just, like, took off. It was unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. You know? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I feel lucky like to have had that experience in my life.
0: Plus, you know, I was thinking about this this morning when Kelly and I were having breakfast, and I said, you know, and I, and I looked it up to make sure I wasn't dreaming, but I, I don't know if you still do, but for years, you guys were the house band for uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Induction. Right. And right. So you'd be, I mean, and, let you know, when it was a band being inducted the whole band would play but you guys were the band that was i mean the you know the house band for
1: it right was, yeah. yeah we got to play i mean i remember we played a version of shaft with isaac hayes which was great we played i and i wish i could find the tape this is like before it was televised so much yeah there were more free falls and there was one night with the with the who where i think It just seemed to be The Who and Me. I can't remember. Maybe Paul was on stage. I'm not sure. But hardly anybody playing with The Who. That was like, but I I can't find the tape of that. And I will say they would drag all these guitarists on stage, like the best in the world, and everybody uh, playing together to an absolute racket. I mean, it was just like, you know, like everybody tuning up, everybody playing at the same time. It was, it was insane. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: yeah, I know there's maybe a few guitar players watching, but just so you guys know, for us drummers, that's kind of our worst nightmare. is,
1: yeah. is, is that many? <laughs> no, no, it saying? was it was fantastic, but it was just it was always <laughs> funny to me that like all these the great, most disciplined, fantastic geniuses in the world, all together at the same time, all playing at the same time.
0: Yeah, crazy. No, that's that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Um I, I I said to you, I think we were. Off the air, but I mentioned my uh, my late aunt, my dad's sister, who they used to watch your show every night. And I just have to tell this story, and I and I've told you this before, but and then you, and it ties into your son Aaron. But um, they when I whenever I would talk to them on the phone or I would see them, they would they would say we we saw your friend on TV last night. And my my aunt, who lived to be ninety five, and passed away a few years ago. Um, would say to me, "Is he that handsome in person? He's so handsome." <laughs> and I would tell you that, and you, you would get embarrassed by it, and you'd say, "Well, yeah. tell, her I, tell her I said thank you very much." And yeah. and and where I'm going with the story is, I'm I'm certain it was after one of the modern drummer festivals when they'd have the dinner afterward. You know, like on the Sunday night, the the, the banquet or whatever. And I think it was one of the years Sean Pelton played. You were there with your son Aaron, who was maybe. I don't know, like four or five at the time. Oh. The first time I met him.
1: Oh no, and, my first son, my first maybe it was Austin.
0: No, I think this was Aaron. I think this was your your younger son. This was maybe oh, okay. About
1: 15, okay. ten or ten years. Ago, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. and we were we were having we were having dinner, I, you and and your son Aaron Sean Pelton and I and I was doing this trick that Aaron loved this paper bag trick. Yes. Yeah. He oh. <laughs> loved it. I was throwing the marble in the air. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, great. great. So I called my I called my aunt from the dinner, and I put you on the phone to talk to her. And it like it it. I just want to tell you, it made for like years after that. She talked about it. How how it was amazing that you said hello and you said, you know, said to my dad, your son's a nice boy. He's a very nice boy. So <laughs> anyway, thank you for that.
1: Yeah well you know as as you know I would at my clinics, people would say, i would say uh and deadly serious um I didn't get the Letterman show because I was like the best drummer in the world, I didn't get it because I was like the fastest the guy with the best best timer, the best technique or the best anything I got it purely because I was the best looking." <laughs> 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 and after that, like I felt like I lost the audience. I was stunned. I <laughs> you know, thought that can't be true.
0: <laughs> it still makes me laugh. No, because you would, you would, you'd have this like pause afterward. You'd go, either you'd, you'd say, "I didn't get it," you know, for all these reasons, and you'd pause. I got it because I was the best looking, and it would, it would always bring the house down. It would,
1: uh-huh. yeah,
0: yeah, no, it was great. It was. <laughs> Uh oh Anthony like my bag trick. Yeah, I do that yeah, you know, for my grandkids. My yeah. granddaughter, of course, has figured it out, but my grandson hasn't.
1: So. Uh, oh, anyway. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, you can hire yeah, me for parties. birthday parties. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. Well, Anton, I won't keep you too much longer. We we've um we could we could go on for a long time, but Um, I'm going to just see if there's some more questions. I don't want to leave anything on the table here, but um, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. There's always questions I see afterward that I wish I got to. Uh, Danny O'Keefe is asking how it was playing with Jim Keltner stylistically.
1: Well, you know, for that show, I mean, he's a very kind of, I know he's, he's a very individual drama, sort of like quirky and does like different mm-hmm. stuff. The show required um for me to be the more kind of power drummer and for him to do stuff around that, I think. So right. uh,
0: kind of the anchor, you know, so to speak,
1: yeah. Yeah. I just sort of anchor it and he did the stuff around it, but you know, it's like He's an amazing drummer, and it was it was fantastic being up there with him. And he's a fabulous drummer, and I I really love listening to him. Actually, when he's playing, I mean, he's quite capable of handling it all on his own. You know that that record that he did with um, the West African guitarist—forgotten the name of it right now—with Raikuda and the West African guitarist. Anyway, it's just fantastic. The drumming is so beautiful on it. Yeah. And I just heard a, a, a George Harrison thing that he did, an old George Harrison thing that was just drumming. was just amazing on it. Like, awesome. Like
0: from the 70s or? or yeah. Or from the 70s, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know. he Jim is just. A, He's you know, amazing.
0: Continues to be. He's a, amazing.
1: And he just comes up with stuff. You know, I once, I once, he once had a drum kit that was all snare drums. Everything was snare drums. And I, okay. I said to him, how did you come up with that? It's Crazy, and he came up and he said, oh, and I just bored him, which I, I thought was like, Well, wow. you know, so he yeah. just, you know, got a restless mind, wanted to try different things. You know, he's creative and always searching, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I it seems like I always have to bring our friend Charlie Watson to the conversation, but Charlie used to talk about that. He, you know, he 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 loved Jim Keltner, adored him, and Um, and he would talk about just what you just said that, that he was this, this constant changer of things like, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, not so much, and he did invent things, but he, you know, he would talk about just how Jim could, could find these other ideas. Like you say, all snare drums just in, and, and make it be a cool thing, you know, and and Mm -hmm. not be some crazy oddball idea, have it actually Mm -hmm. a functioning idea. Mm-hmm. yeah he's mm-hmm. i hope to have jim on sometime soon
1: mm-hmm. uh, been talking about. yeah you'd be perfect yeah
0: yeah and and uh, i i did want to ask you too anton and this is a question that just came up uh from dale boothby asking did you play in in a band called spider i did and uh and and you did and that was kind of like one of the first sort of big bands in the states that you played with, right? When you came well, in.
1: they that was the band that had uh well this, you know, a couple of South African friends of mine. And that was the band where we were auditioning the bass player that I got to ace with. But we had a top we had a top 40 hit called New Romance. And our song was Better Be Good to Me, which Tina Turner took our version and her version is very, very similar to our version, but we our band Holly was Holly Knight was in our band who went on to run a huge number of hits.
0: Oh, yeah. Huge.
1: And, um and so, you know, we recorded it, but we didn't have a hit with it. She had the hit with it, but it was our song. I didn't know that. And it was well. a great, yeah, it was a great band. Really. Those records are, are nice. They like, you know, sound very really eighties now, but they, it's a really good pop band. Yeah. Really well, excellent.
0: I remember seeing your picture. I had that, that, I still have it somewhere. The 1981 Zildjian, uh drummer setup book that they that they had at that time and Mm -hmm. you were were a zildjian artist going that far back and Mm -hmm. your credit your your band credit at that time was spider
1: right yeah i used the symbols on the zildjians on that record and you know it was amazing because zildjian uh you know gave me symbols and i wasn't really that well known at all and they they gave me symbols and so you know Six years later, when I was able to put the symbols up on the TV, yeah. I really felt great that I could kind of, you know, pay back.
0: Wow! Yeah, and and, uh, awesome.
1: yeah. and then and then you know, and I've been with them. I'm in the looking around now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, there's elevens that are just set up right now. I look wow. like your room.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was going to tell uh, whoever had asked about your room that that. There's a number of drum sets set up in there.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the reason for that is, like I've got a, a kit where I can just record and it's all beautifully dialed in. But then I have a, a couple other sets. One I sort of practice on, but it has a big 26-inch bass drum. And so in different symbols. say if I need a big sound, I can just move certain mics, you know. And then I've got another one it has got like a 20-inch 20, 20 and an 18-inch bass drum. Mm-hmm. just to do different stuff and just drag the mics over and I have the one kit that's properly mic'd up because like sometimes you don't use the ride mic or the high hat mic, but if you're sending tracks to people, they want to feel like they're getting their money's worth and they want to have a mic on everything. So yeah. I have to do one kit that way.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> no, I, I get it. Um, well, I, we could go on and on, but I, I, I'll, I'll leave, we'll leave it kind of at that for now. And, um, and maybe we'll do another one of these down the road and and get into some deeper deeper uh, anton stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> no I, I I really appreciate you coming out of out of um, hibernation uh, yeah. to do this uh, i nation,
1: exactly. Well, you know and it's crazy times, you know and and yeah. it's re- re- wreaked havoc on the industry i mean i was I was uh I was on the road with Joe. Bonamassa, um and we got pulled off the road. When was it? Like when when the COVID hit, you know? Uh,
0: almost and, two years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah. then uh, you know, I went back and did a little bit more with him, but it's like uh, one of the things hasn't even come out yet. And and then um, I did a new album that just came out, but it's it's like it's too crazy to try and tell. You don't know what's happening from one week to the next. You know, things are getting canceled. It's hard. It's dangerous to be out there.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you don't want to be part of a, a gathering that causes, that's a super spreader, you know, and it's yeah. just it's just, it's just um, not conducive to it. So what I've found in like being at home is like, I've gotten into other things. I've done all different kinds of music. I've done some like movie music. I've done different kinds of drum things. i I've, I've like, it's allowed me to kind of play different ways. I'm not kind of playing for the same situation all the time which requires a certain amount of chops Um, and you know the only thing that I really miss right now about not being out there is um, road chops is something that you just can't duplicate Mm -hmm. you know just really getting good road chops and like playing a song where you can really shape the song or and like make it really smooth and You know, really crafted and played perfectly, which is not to necessarily say play exactly the same every time, but just play it and make, get all around the corners as a band and really smooth, know where you're going, set up things and all that. Um, Because, you know, I've spent most of my life just kind of playing off the cuff and being very spontaneous and very improvising. So that was really, that was really fun. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of enjoying, like, opening up again and playing, like, just all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? Plus, I I toured for six years. And and he doesn't just go out for, like, a little couple months in the summer. It's all the time. Constant, with, like, little side projects in between. So six years, I was barely home. That's... You know? And, you know... It's 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 nice when you're playing, but what do you? But there's the other twenty one hours on the day. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's. I think it's good to maybe play play. You know, I I I would go out with, play with other people, different music. You know what I mean? And then find what's going on in that stuff. Yeah. Uh, different. Yeah. I'm not a. I am not I love touring, but it's like things have their things run their course and have their time.
0: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, Anton. And, and uh, yeah. you made a good point about it's great to get up and play, but the other 21 hours every day that you're away from home, that, you know, after a period of time, that that gets old. It doesn't matter how well, much fun the gig is. You know,
1: you know and, and, and well, it was fun, especially in the beginning, but, you know, start going back to the same places over and over. It becomes a little bit groundhog Yeah. Day. Yeah. you know. Well, but it's not to say, I mean, look, everybody can't tour like uh the stones, you know, and be yeah. in a city and then fly off. And then they just tour a little bit. They tour for what, two months or something, and then they're off for a long time. Right. But that's a whole different thing. You get yourself really up for that. It's mm-hmm. not like that's your day-to-day all the time, every day, all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: You're right. I mean, it it there's definitely, I think, a specialness to it for them when they've had especially if they have two or three days off between a show, you know, they can sort of get that, they can recharge themselves and get that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think they really maximize for the show. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to it's another show, another show, another show, another show, winding your way till the end. You know, but it was fun. I have to say that it really was fun. Yeah, Yeah. well,
0: hopefully things later this year are going to get sort of back to normal and maybe you'll find yourself out doing yeah you know something else yeah
1: i'm pretty sure yeah yeah yeah
0: i hope so yeah i know we all we all wanted to to uh
1: yeah to go away well you know that's why i'm in the hyperbolic whatever the word is chamber yeah it's (laughs) like (laughs) i don't see any covid in here
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i'm I'm, we're the same way we we are very isolated we we are not going out to restaurants or anything My, my band um we've sort of canceled all the gigs that we had for this month and last month. And um, well, maybe we might do one at the very end of this month. We're going to see how things look, but you know, we're in this, this band that plays weekly, but, but we don't want to be a super spreader. We don't want to be the cause of a,
1: right. of a, right. of a big problem. So I, you know, right. I know quite a few musicians who've got it, who had it, yeah. you know, I did a recording a recording date and, and, you know, I would like double mask, you know, the whole day, in the studio, you know what I mean? Backing away from people. It's, you know, it was nice to play with everyone, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, a, I've done a few gigs here and there and, you know, but, you know, again, you know, you're all taped up and all that stuff. But it just doesn't feel, Yeah, you know, I don't know when that's all going to come back. But, you know, the thing is, this is life and we just got to roll with it and go with it, make the best of it. And we'll come out to the other side, whatever that is.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Well, Anton, thank you so much for doing this. It's been
1: such my pleasure. A pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to see you again. Yeah, That's it's great, great to here. see you too. Yeah. Always. Yeah, and, and
0: even though you're not on TV anymore, you're still the best-looking <laughs> drummer on TV. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, right. And not even in reruns. Uh, not even the reruns age me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I used to tell Max Weinberg that you were the best-looking drummer, he didn't appreciate that. Either. <laughs> no, I'm sure not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Thanks Dig a lot for, for Anton. Hi
1: mean, to everybody that's out there. You know, no thanks for tuning in and great to talk. Yeah, great.
0: Uh, yeah. awesome. Thank you, Anton. Alrighty. All right. I'm going to end the live stream and then we'll we'll say goodbye in, in the uh, in the room here. So okay, sure. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week on Wednesday with um, Jerry Brown. 2 p.m. Eastern time, but uh, again, thanks for watching. Big hand for Anton Figg.